It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with yet another Tim May podcast coming to you from deep in my bunker, actually, my little, my little uh, what do you call it, my wife calls it my uh, trash heap, but in fact, I call it my office here at my home uh, outside of, somewhere outside of Columbus, Ohio. And joining me today, uh, somewhere from outside of Detroit, Michigan, uh, is my good friend and Michigan beat writer for long, low these many years, even though she still looks like she's 18, mm. uh, Angelique Shingelis. Angelique, thanks for joining me. Hey, Tim. Thanks for uh, having me on this podcast. It's, um, you know, it's been a technical uh, feat to have both of us hook up here. <laughs> I think the word you were looking there is adventure. And the word <laughs> yes, it was. The book I would use to best describe it was the one written about Teddy Roosevelt, The River of Doubt, because <laughs> I wasn't, I was doubting whether or not this was actually going to take place because obviously from your end, everything was great. But from my end, there were a lot of, uh, dangling wires that had to be connected and I, I kept shocking myself. So <laughs> here I am, Angelique. Uh, I'm thank glad you for you're there. Well, by the way, what are you doing? How, how are you uh, spending time? Have you guys gotten into the furlough thing yet? I mean, how are, how are operations going with you in the Detroit News? Well, to be very honest, Tim, I feel like I'm like busier than ever. I, I just have these days where I'm getting you know, everybody's home. So all these people you call and they usually take a couple days to get back to you. They're calling back instantly. And so I keep getting backed up with interviews and I've got all this transcribing to do. And um, so that's been good. I mean, I've been finding stories and and have some more planned this week. But yes, we will start having uh, furloughs this week. I, I believe they actually started last week. Mine's not for a few weeks though. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Better than not having a job, I guess. Yeah, furlough has a whole different connotation than it did back uh, back when you were in the, uh, not you, but back when you were in the armed services. They go, you're going on a two-week furlough, which means you got two weeks in, in Japan or Berlin or something, you know, uh, paid, <laughs> by the way. Uh, yeah, and I think you guys are, y'all are owned by the same company as the Columbus Dispatch, my former employer, right? I mean, they've, they've instituted that gatehouse, has instituted that nationwide, right? I mean, people are rolling into furloughs. Yeah, no, it's for the next three months, I believe. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think the, the weeks are going by so fast. I mean, you know, people don't even know what day it is. So it feels like, you know, I think uh, a couple of people we know went on, on uh, their furlough last week and then boom, they're back. So yeah. um, the days are just really blending. They're, they're very long and I'm cooking a lot, freezing a lot of food and uh, have my mother here. So um, that's always interesting. <laughs> Unlimited baklava. How much better could it get? Yeah, that's true. I know. I owe get? you some. Please check your blood sugar every day, though. You know, make sure you're okay. <laughs> but yeah, right. yeah, this is an interesting time. By the way, today is the first day of the rest of your life, hopefully. So that's where we are. That's where we're on the calendar. Uh, I just want to get into it. You know, uh, Ohio State, as you well know, well, maybe you don't know, Ohio State, like several weeks ago, in essence, Gene Smith and the powers that be said the football team is in limbo from the standpoint of their 
the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, for want of another term, is padlocked. You know, they're not allowed to be in there working out, et cetera. The coaches are all at home. Uh, they did a big sanitation of the, of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center before they closed it, and, uh, and they've been told to stay home. You know, the, the uh, players – shelter in place is not the correct term, but hang out in place is more the correct term. Uh, coaches the same way. Uh, you know, whether May 1, there will be a change in the guard, May 15 – you know, uh, June 1, that's, that's yet to be decided because, you know, you can't have – you can't open the football facility until you've opened up really the school and told everybody everybody can come back to school or come back to your jobs because, you know, nobody congregates more than a football team uh, from the standpoint of number of people, et cetera. I'm just wondering what, what uh, precautions, uh, what uh, strategies has, has Michigan taken uh, to, during this COVID-19 situation? Very comparable, Tim. I mean, all the coaches, everybody's out of Schembechler Hall. They've done the same there, cleaning, you know, getting it prepared, I get, for the eventual return, which who knows when that's going to be, hopefully sooner than later. But um, I did talk to quite a few of the players are home. They've, they've become very inventive, and I'm sure every college player around the country has become inventive in terms of staying in shape and finding ways to weight train and condition and um, like I, uh, Caden Colasar, whose father, John Colasar, uh, they live in, in the Cleveland area. He got home and he needed a workout. He found a propane, a full propane tank in his garage and started doing lifts with it and then put it behind his back and started doing lunges. So, and he said he feels like he's in fantastic shape right now. Yeah. So, thing, you know, some guys have full gyms at their homes, but not many. So there, there's been a lot of, of that, and, and uh, they have to send photos of uh, – they have, every day the coaches give them some kind of challenge. I think every day they have to send in a picture of their made bed. That's a big deal. You have to make your bed, get up and get going. And, and the same with nutrition. They have to send photos of what they're eating to the nutritionist, and she's making recommendations. Aiden Hutchinson said he sent in some photos, and he didn't have enough green on his plate. So she's like, okay, you need to get some spinach, some, some food. But these guys are eating like eight or nine eggs in the morning, Tim. And I'm like, how, yeah. how are you? I mean, they're, they're used to having their training table at this point. So now they're having, they have to cook for themselves. So, but they're also doing like this, like what we're doing with the coaches, position coaches, going over, over uh, the playbook and, and um, trying, to, trying to act like it's still spring football. Because Michigan would have been having its, uh, its open practice on Saturday. So they would have been in the midst of it. Hmm. Yeah, Ohio State would have had its uh, spring game this past weekend, and uh, you know that was that's one of the more you know that's one of the more highly attended games in the country. <laughs> yeah, I've been to it a few times. Otherwise. And uh, it's people amazing. Looking forward, yeah, people are looking forward to seeing that battle for the backup quarterback position, for example, mm-hmm. and all these other you know who's going to play in the secondary and all that's going out to, uh, to the to the side. I mean, you know, like you were talking about 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 Michigan, though, you know, Ohio State got into really quickly. Uh, getting into like the nutrition aspect of things with their players, they've actually shipped packets of like foods, et cetera, you know, uh, to That's the players right. who need them, you know, to keep them on a certain type of diet. They've sent some of them rubber, uh, you know, those big exercise bands, mm-hmm. uh, B-A-N-D-S, uh, to, uh, to help them. Because, you know, different people are in different places as this goes. Some are on, in a country home, uh, you know, uh, like Cade Stover grew up on a farm, you know, yet you got people living in the middle of a city, they can't necessarily just go out and start running, uh, uh, running down the street, et cetera. They've come up with all kinds of different plans for these guys. And like you said, I think they meet almost daily. 
via Skype, uh, Zoom, like we're on today, uh, different kind of meetings to keep going. It's been really been interesting because, you know, these football coaches are making lots of money. You know, uh, even Ohio State's now got four assistant coaches are going to be making over a million dollars a year, uh, including one uh, Michigan reject, Greg Madison. No, I'm just joking. But uh, uh, and Al Washington's getting on up there too. But I mean, these guys are trying to earn their money, as you well know. And uh, and of course, the head coaches—they're just rolling. This is a really interesting exercise, as I've equated it. It's kind of like getting ready for D-Day, uh, as far as the Allied forces were concerned. I mean, I would never equate it to war in that regard. But except you have no idea when D-Day is going to come. I mean, when everybody's going to get the. Uh, get the, the all clear signal to recongregate and get back to business. Uh, but I'm sure they've run over, uh, these guys are running over all kinds of contingency plans about when it goes. And, you know, as Ryan Day said, I've been saying this for like many weeks now, you're going to have to give these teams five or six weeks of preseason camp, almost like a bit, almost like an NFL camp. I think to get their acts back together because Michigan missed almost all of its spring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Ohio State only got three spring practices in, and we can go. Well, who cares? I mean, those those are those are so uh, vital for these teams anymore. I mean, Ohio State treats their preseason camp as the beginning, or their spring camp as the beginning, really, of their preseason camp. Part of the number of practices leading up to opening day, and I'm sure Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, they do a similar thing, right? Well, they do. And and my thing though is I, I talked to a couple of these guys about extending the uh, preseason camp, whenever that may be. And they're like, look, our bodies are already exhausted after the three weeks of camp. They don't know that they could handle a few more weeks of it. And um, so I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to do that. If, if we get to that point where college football starts, whenever it starts, Tim, um, you know, I, all these theories are, are being talked about. I, I keep thinking, well, maybe they do, they scrap the non-conference and just start with a big 10 conference but I think you still need to have maybe an exhibition game or something. Maybe you get a Michigan and Notre Dame to have an exhibition game just to get yeah. the rust off. Ohio State yeah. plays Cincinnati, you know, gets just get the get back into the flow of, of, of game speed as much as you can with this layoff. I mean, you're right. Michigan only had had not started spring ball. Ohio State had. You look at a school like Arizona State, they got half of their spring practices in. Um, so uh, they're they're both teams are behind and uh, it will be interesting. You know, I, I hope that this is a debate, debate that they have pretty soon. I mean, I, we all hope that that college football comes back, but certainly not before um, everyone feels safe and, and how they're going to handle it. You know, again, the scenarios, no fans, fan, you know, however it's going to go, but in terms of getting these teams ready, it's, it, it's going to be interesting, but there's also this sense that these guys are going to be fresher. You know, their bodies aren't going to be beaten up. They're going to have time to rest, but you're right at Michigan. I mean, this was going to be a big spring for Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton. So, you know, how do they, how does that play out now? So that'll be really, I think really interesting to see how this is going to work out. Yeah. You know, and, and I think the reason most people are looking at a, at a five or six, maybe a six week window there of preseason camp is because like you were just talking about John Coles, I mean, the Colesar thing, they can't afford a weight set evidently. I mean, He's working out with propane and propane accessories. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Mickey Marotti is the uh, street, you know the football performance coordinator for Ohio State. I I, I figure he's more anxious than almost anyone mm-hmm. because you you have such a I mean, both of these 
programs have such ridiculously regimented ways of keeping their guys in shape, uh, honed to a certain extent through the offseason, through spring, and through the – it's not really offseason, we wouldn't call it, but, I mean, mm-hmm. through that interim between spring and the beginning of camp where these guys are working out all the time together. There's a, a program that they follow religiously of getting guys bigger, faster, stronger. And, you know, we can – you can always think and send in videos, et cetera, that you're working out. But, you know, if you're working out with rubber, rubber bands instead of – uh, a weight machine, or if you're working out with propane and propane accessories instead of dead weights, et cetera, I mean, uh, lifting real weights, I mean, that's why they're going to be skeptical about what kind of shape they're in, even though the players, I'm sure, are going, hey, I feel fresher than I've ever been. Yeah, because you're not, you're not probably not working anywhere near as hard as you have been working True. in the past True. in the winters. So, you know how, you know this better than anybody, how paranoid Head coaches can be and ball coaches can be. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe I'm putting one foot. Yes, in the front I do. <laughs> but uh, but you know what you you deal with that on, on a constant basis. So that's that's why you're looking at that. But I agree. I mean, I wrote a story for for LettermanRoad.com here where I I could see uh, these comp- everybody just saying, okay, the Big Ten, you got 14 members, come up with a 10 game season mm-hmm. intramural, you know. And I, what I didn't put in there is what I want. Uh, also, I forgot to put in there. All of your rivals shall play. You know, Ohio State plays Michigan. Uh, Michigan State plays Penn State, even though it's not really a rivalry, but, hey, it's tough luck. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but all the rivalry games are set. But then the other nine are just drawn by computer. And that's your season this year. Uh, Brigham Young and Notre Dame, hey, you're in the Big 12 this year. You know, so they have 12 members, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and you could have a 10-game season. You take the champions of those uh, five power conferences, you put them into the – playoffs along with three at-larges from maybe deserving teams from those power fives mm-hmm. or a team you know, from the uh, from the lesser power five. What, what would you call that? The medium power five. And uh, I forgot what the name of that. What do they call those poor guys? What do they call those other five conferences? I forgot. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> like you put, yeah. I'm sticking with yours. That's good. I like the lesser five. There we go. And, uh, and then, you know, you have your 18 playoff like everybody wants just for this one year. Give everybody a little bonus. And uh, those first four games would be played at a campus site. And then the, the semis and finals would go where they're proposed, but maybe a month or two later. And that's, you know, the great thing about dome stadiums is you can play all, all, all through the year. But, uh, but I think that's what you've got to look at those kind of contingencies because we don't know when the green light's going to go on, when the all clear siren's going to be sounded. And, and like I said, you can't do football until you've decided it's okay for everybody to be back together because football – it's the most mingling of sports that there is. Well, Agreed? I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think you've, you've solved it all, Tim. Uh, I mean, I think we're done here. All your, your work is – I think you've got to work is done. To the, the Big Ten commissioner and, and tell him all this. Well, I know. I, 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 I'm sort of humble, though. I, don't, I'm, I have a lot of humility about myself. I don't want to establish myself as the Kazar. Is that how you pronounce it, C-Z-A-R? Kazar? How are you staying in shape? During this uh, you know what's you know what seriously, Angelique. Before we get into what I really want to talk about with you, uh, I've never been in better shape than I am right now. I, I mean, in my whole life, you know. And I'm not I'm not going to get into why, but I mean, I got into you know doing a little dumbbell lifting, all that kind of stuff a long time ago, and, and progressed. You know, where every 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 time I'm supposed to get a gift, I ask for like another set of dumbbells that are bigger than the ones before. My wife looks looks skeptically at me, but uh, <laughs> I've never hit a ball, a soft, a softball, <laughs> a golf ball farther than I hit them now. 
You know, they don't wow. always go straight, but even I have to go venture deeper into the woods to find them, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and things like that. I mean, I have a little hacksaw I carry with me, but, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, you can do with what you want to do during this, during this time, you know, if I was like living with you and your husband and your mom, I would be in the worst shape of all because I'd be eating baklava every day and uh, some type of Greek pasta or, uh, or Greek <laughs> salads at night. What would I, how would you keep me in shape? And what, what would be going on there? Well, I've been doing a lot of cooking. I mean, I've been very creative. I, I, I just, um, my cousin said it's like having, um, what's the show, the cooking show Chopped every yeah, night. Chopped. You find stuff in your freezer and you make things. And um, it's it's still Lent for the for the Greek Church. Easter's on Sunday, so I'm still fasting, and so no meat, and I have to come up with these, you know, no meat recipes. I, I'm being very creative. I'll just leave it at that. And I you just gave me a bad memory, and it has nothing to do with you. But uh, the Greek Orthodox <laughs> Church, my that's where my son and and my daughter daughter in law got married, and. Uh, they baptized my little my little grandson Owen about mm -hmm. several months ago, and uh, I'm telling you what, <clears throat> I'm telling you what that that shouldn't happen to a little kid, man. He got dunked <laughs> three times. I Are know. you kidding me? He doesn't even know what's going on except he's screaming. But hey, boy, if I get into that if I get into that conversation, we'll be here all day, and <laughs> and I will have a lot of people hanging up on me. So I won't get into that. Okay. Okay. But I felt so sorry for my – by the way, he's here today. He's, he's in another room. We've been babysitting while his mom and, uh, and, and my son, Kyle, uh, work from home. And we've been a godsend for them. And it's been a, a blessing for me because I'm getting to babysit my grandson, Owen. And he's so cute. You've seen him. He's adorable. Yeah, he's he adorable. He's a good little boy, too, man. I swear to goodness. Uh, you're three months old. But, hey, I'm not bragging, and I, and I digress. What are we going to do? What's going to happen with the greatest rivalry in sport, Angelique. Uh, since 2001, when Jim Trussell made made uh, good on his proclamation, I wouldn't call it a promise. He just said everybody would be proud of him when they went to uh, Ann Arbor uh, that year. Uh, Michigan's only won two games uh, in the storied series, two out of the last 20. What are, everybody wanted to give it up for dead up through 2000, when Ohio State was what uh, two ten and one in the series, now this has flipped so much the other way. It's it's really ridiculous. Even probably Harbaugh's best team in two thousand sixteen, I think it was, couldn't get it done. The year of the spot, uh, which is now another blemish <laughs> on the Michigan record. Uh, that was pretty funny what I just said. Uh, what what what's what's to come of the greatest rivalry in sport? Well, I know, I know people will say, well, is it still a rivalry when one team is dominated? And, you know, we've talked about the 2-10-1, the Cooper era. It was a rivalry. I mean, Ohio State, those were some great, great Ohio State teams. Yeah. And, um, you know, Michigan got the better of them in, in that, in that um, what, how many games? Two, I don't want to do the math. 13. Stretch. 13. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've thought about this a lot, Tim. I mean, let's say, let's go back and, I, and it's what ifs, you know, it's a lot of what ifs. And 2016, what if, what if JT's short, Michigan gets that win and who knows what happens then? What if they, what if they have a different quarterback the next year? They have a pretty good game plan. I thought in 17 and they had a 14, nothing lead. I believe Michigan did. 
And, you know, it just uh, slipped away, obviously. But I, I, I think if you have a, a good quarterback in that situation, maybe they get that win. So, you know, I play that what-if game. What if Michigan, if Michigan wins those two games? Then maybe you don't have these conversations that we've, we've all started having, like, you know, how big's the gap, the recruiting gap. And I'm of the opinion it's not enormous. And then, then I think that follows, and then I think it's coaching. And, and maybe it is. I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, I think the talent is there at Michigan. It's not as many. There's not as many five stars. They're, they're, you know, it's not like that. I don't want to compare the stars and all that because that's not comparable. But I think there is a lot of talent at Michigan. And I just wonder if they're getting everything they can out of these guys. And, um, you know, I remember I went back and looked at stories from that from the Cooper run Michigan's run against Michigan, and, and it was a lot. I mean, uh, Michigan's run against Ohio State, pardon me. And I remember reading, like, Marcus Ray saying, we're in their heads, we're in their heads. Right. And I think you can say that now very safely. Yeah. Ohio State's in Michigan's heads, and, and maybe they just don't, you know, they get tight. They don't know how to – you know, these guys don't know how to – Finish. They can win and finish. Yeah, they, yeah finish is the, is the word you're looking for there. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of that uh, Jerry Seinfeld episode about the uh, – car reservations you know rental car anyone can take a reservation it's the holding it's the keeping it mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. keeping the lead that has been michigan's problem and uh and you know you grew up in ohio you know cincinnati uh mm-hmm. i grew up in alabama and texas before i moved up here i did go to 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 the ohio state university didn't get a sheepskin but i got uh you know i got a uh a sheep, uh, 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 what do you call it? A uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. But anyway, but the bottom line is, uh, it, everybody looks at these games. This isn't like basketball where you sometimes get two shots a year at a team or baseball, you know, the major leagues where you get 14, 16, 18 shots at a team or 20 shots at a team, depending on, I don't even know what they play anymore. I don't hardly ever pay attention to baseball. The fact that baseball is not playing right now hasn't even crossed my mind (laughs) (laughs) spring football is what i missed you know but uh but but they look at these games as referendums you know and i mean these once a year games and that's why even in the cooper years you know there were some great games where the that just turned on a play or two plays and Mm -hmm. uh just like you just pointed out i mean the uh the spot back in 2016 or tavis powell's interception when michigan decided to go for two and what was that 2000 13 mm-hmm. in Michigan yeah. Stadium? Wasn't it? I mean, maybe right. I got it wrong. But, uh, yeah, no, no. Brady Hope, yeah. Devin Gardner. Yeah, yeah. broken foot. He's playing uh, on a broken foot. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, they just turned on a player to even in 2011 Ohio there uh, with Luke Fickle as the interim head coach. You know, that, that game turned on a couple of plays in the second half. And that's all it is. That's the difference between them. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, you're comparing navies where you've got – 44 battleships, the other team's got six. Now, with that said, the computer rankings, in my opinion, don't lie. And Ohio State clearly has gotten many more four and five stars mm-hmm. uh, on it, in its ranks than Michigan has right now and has had, had that uh, and has had that advantage uh, for quite a few years now. And I do think in the big games, those sometimes give you that, just that little edge it makes the difference and and it's interesting because you know when you look at recruiting rankings and you know and this year you know it's 2021 
class. I mean, Ohio State's like ranked number one or number two where you want to look. The, the, the head strike they've gotten on most people is crazy. Uh, it's even had a momentum through this, through this uh, dead period, uh, which is kind of like mis, a misnomer. But, uh, you know, and Michigan's been trying to play catch up in the recruiting for a while now. You, and, and I really do believe that, that's where I've been sort of like surprised that Michigan hasn't gotten back to that upper echelon of recruiting, at least according to the recruiting rankings and the, and, and the four and five stars. Well, I, I think what, the other thing that perplexes me, Tim, is that then you go to the NFL Combine and, right. you know, you look at the numbers that they have at the, at the Combine, Michigan, and the last couple of years, they've had a lot of players there. Yes. And even at the Senior Bowl, I think they had more players than anybody, maybe. Maybe Michigan and Ohio State had the same. I can't remember exactly. But Wait a minute, interrupt you. But that's because all these Ohio State guys, the stars are leaving early before they're seniors. True. But I'm sort of true. <laughs> it is sort of true. Yeah. But so, I mean, I just, that's what I keep thinking. The talent is there. I mean, I, I, at Michigan. And um, I mean, look at what, what uh, D'Antonio did at Michigan State with, with three stars and maybe yes. even fewer stars than that. And, you know, so it's about getting that, getting everything you can out of them and getting um, this focus. And I will say, Tim, what I, what I think, and sometimes I think leadership is, was lacking at times um, at Michigan these last, uh, this last year. Um, I think this younger group of players, at least in the conversations I've had, there's a different focus. And I, I mean, I get this sense that they are, they understand that that a gap needs to be not closed because it's not. It's going to take a while to close it, but to just narrow it a little bit. And I, I just get the sense there's a different level of leadership coming up. And and I think you know people talk about that, and you know it's hard to describe it. But I I just felt like it was missing um, this past year, maybe even the year before that a little bit. Yeah. I think they're getting it back. But look, I. You know, you're right. I grew up in Ohio. I love this rivalry. It's one of the reasons why I keep working because I I live for that week. I mean, we've talked about that, how much fun the Michigan-Ohio State week is. And even when, you know, coming off a 62-39 loss, it still felt festive and fun and it's it's back. So, yeah. you know, maybe I'm not the right person because I still think it's a rivalry even though it's, it's swung one way. And yeah. um, just because I love the everything about it. But that's not enough for Michigan fans, certainly. And they need to see something. I mean, you go back to that 62-39 game in Columbus, I think anybody would say 39 points should have been enough to win. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's almost come down to Michigan hasn't been able to make the plays defensively Mm -hmm. and make the difference. I mean, that's – you know, know, there's all kinds of ways. You you can dissect the game all kinds of different ways. You know, 62-39, you know – Middle of the third quarter, that game's that game's in doubt, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, and uh, and you know what looks more. That's what I I, I I posed that question to people for a while there. I said, you know, the on the one hand, you could say Ohio State scored sixty two points against Michigan, the most ever, they'd ever scored against Michigan. On the other hand, they gave up thirty nine. Is that something to hang your hat on? I mean, I, you know, and it was a sort of a you know an harbinger of like a sort of a defensive problem that Ohio State got figured out. Uh, Finally, last year, uh, in the first year under Ryan Day, when you know. Uh, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. But but you're right. I mean, it's I don't look at these as one game referendums on where the programs are. I think Michigan's programs, if you took Ohio State out of the equation, 
program would look pretty stout right now for the most part. And uh, so would Penn State's for the most part. Uh, Michigan State was, was Ohio State's bugaboo for a while there. Uh, we'll see how they do under Mel Tucker. You know, Mel Tucker's one of my favorite guys I've ever covered at Ohio State. Sharp guy, great recruiter. Uh, we'll see where he goes. I mean, obviously that program was in upheaval there, and we'll see – uh, what happens in the next several months or next couple of years? Because, you know, D'Antonio just all of a sudden deciding to retire was extremely interesting. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But, you know, it's the Big Ten East is a hard place to kind of, you know, get a, get a new grip on things. You know, the, the, the great place to be is go west, young man, because that's where if you get a couple of recruiting classes in the west division of the Big Ten, that's where you can – make hay quickly. You agree with me on that, don't you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, if I were, uh, if I could decide to go in one, in one division, I'd definitely go West. But I mean, you mentioned Mel Tucker and, and Michigan state. I mean, first of all, the timing of the hire, I mean, it wasn't his fault when he got hired, but you know, the timing of, of D'Antonio's departure and then this hits. And I, I mean, talk about recruiting, how hard that must be for Michigan state having this, and you know they, they're trying to make up ground and they can't get out to see these kids and, and they're trying to make connections to bring you know bring a new class into Michigan State I yeah. feel for them I mean that was tough timing for uh, for Mel Tucker but I think you're right every from all accounts he's a, he's a terrific recruiter and uh, we'll see what he does there obviously but what a tough I mean he was really behind it there and not by you know none, nothing he did yeah <clears throat> pardon yeah. me but he wanted to get back to the Big Ten. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it's interesting. Colorado, that's a great place to probably live, you know. <laughs> but he's in the hinterlands when it comes to recruiting, although he did a great job there his year, one year, was, you know, the year he was there. But uh, he will make inroads. I mean, he's got – he's from Ohio. I mean, he knows the Cleveland area extremely well. Uh, he's a personable dude, like I said. He's got a decent – he's got a really interesting resume when you look at it from working at Ohio State, you know, to – working for Nick Saban at Alabama uh, to go into Georgia, but also in the interim there, he went to the NFL with the Cleveland Browns and Jacksonville. He was the interim head coach there with Jacksonville Jaguars for, for half of a year, part of a year. And uh, I think it was 2011. So, uh, you know, he's got a very interesting resume. And like I said, he's one of the, my favorite guys to ever just sit down and, and uh, shoot, shoot the, almost said a bad word there, shoot the bull with. <laughs> and uh, by the way, while you were talking about that, about the West, I would kept thinking about that Michigan fight song, Champions of the West. <laughs> that would be real apropos. But then you, but then you still got to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. So there you go, right? Yeah, now that we're, we're trying to figure out everything that happens in the Big Ten, I still think they have to fix the schedule so that Michigan doesn't have Michigan State and Ohio State at home one year and then on the road both. Michigan State has State of Michigan at home and then on the road I they got to divide that just for I mean just for for fans to be able to see one of the rivalries at home each year not both of them don't step on traditions Angelique don't step on tradition no I mean I'm just saying flip-flop the state game at home and then Ohio State on the road and then flip-flop well as Ohio State's even finding you know it's found out the last several years when you don't when you only have one premier game at home like Wisconsin or Penn State, you know, you're you're still trying to sell tickets to Ohio State versus Rutgers. You know, and the <laughs> fans now, the fans are quite discerning now on what they yes. will and won't put money into. You know, and that was a challenge major college football was already facing before this COVID-19 thing. 
And I'm that's why I proposed, you know, that whole deal about, you know, when, you, when they come back to Power Fives, just play an intramural conference schedule this, this one year to get you through this. But then everybody, every game you play, you know, every game matters, as we well know in major college football. But every game you play, uh, and it's all conference, uh, will matter, you know. And uh, and we'll see if, in fact, they adopt any kind, anything like that. Because I saw another a proposal that says you, you know, somebody wrote back to me and said, well, you play nine conference games and one intersectional game that you could uh, come up with. And uh, so, you know, if Ohio State, you know, got matched with like Florida or Alabama or uh, you know, or Texas or somebody, you know, you could have these marquee games if they wanted to do it right. Because the big thing is, is there's a good chance you could have the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, major college football all play at the same time in September. What do you think about that? Well, and racing and, I mean, yeah. everything. It's, it's, I mean, the Masters, I, I mean, it's going to be, it's crazy how yeah. the last part of this year could be. And look, I think we all, I would rather have that than nothing, to be honest, but um, it, it would be very crazy. I think someone uh, I was looking around said uh, the Masters, when they were scheduled that, it's a really crummy weekend in college football. There were some really just yeah. matchups. Well, so I don't right. know that was, well, well, right now that's the case, but yeah, you're exactly right. Right, right. Yeah. That is right now. So I don't I think know. That's usually, well, I think that's usually the weekend when when Alabama plays like Furman or somebody. But, right. No, I think yeah. you're right. I think yeah. that's it. <laughs> I think Michigan plays Rutgers or something. Yeah. No offense to Rutgers. No offense to Rutgers. Yeah. 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 Just a little. Well, Greg Chiano's back there. We'll see what happens there. But that, that's what yeah. they need. They needed to get back to their roots, and they did. You know, and uh, and uh, of course he had kind of a bitter bittersweet uh, departure from Ohio State, which is. Because I like Greg, you know, but, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. I mean, we could just have a jam-packed. And then now, you know, everybody thinks that could be a blessing, but the curse could be if you're a sponsor, you know, where do you buy time? You know, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of businesses are just going to be possibly coming back into any kind of shape, et cetera. So, you know, 2020, as I wrote in my little story I wrote about, you know, 2020 usually means really nice, good, normal vision. And there is no normal vision right now. Everything's muddled on what what's coming you know you can't see uh, until the COVID-19 decides to take a major departure you can't see what's coming let me ask you one quick thing we'll get out of here uh, uh what does your crystal ball say about about you know you've got a husband who's in the medical profession um what 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 is y'all's little home crystal ball saying about when this thing might be over not over well, but I'm- you know, I just, you know, I've talked to some other physicians. I mean, Chris Hutchinson, whose son Aiden is on, on this Michigan team, and Chris was on the first team I covered at Michigan. So, you know, like you, I've covered fathers and now sons yeah. playing college football, which is crazy. But, you know, he kept saying, and this was a few weeks ago, he kept saying it's going to get worse before it gets better, worse before it gets better. And I, I think now this is the worst. And, you know, when you look at some of these models and, and talking to my sister who's a physician, um, you know, I think that they think that it, it maybe July, by July, early July, things are going to be settling down a bit. And again, these are just using these models and, and the projections, Tim. So, you know, no one, then they're not all authorities, but I think that there's a sense that, that people are being smart, staying home. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe by July, we get some sense of normalcy. And um, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, yeah. I'm hanging on that. 
And, um, and I hope that, you know, you know, maybe August is too early, September too early to, to play football and, and get back into it. But uh, I was reading Gene Smith's comments the other day, I guess he had a conference call with Ohio State beat writers and, and how, you know, how are they going to have football if there's no students on campus? So right. I think these dominoes have to fall. Um, but well, let me interrupt you. But his point there too is, how can you have football? How can you practice football and meet right. for football if, in fact, the, the, the sign hasn't been given that students can be back within proximity? I mean, his point is it's all about the health question. It has nothing to do with a clamor because, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of fans would want football back now. But the, the point is it has to be a healthy situation uh, for coaches and players and support personnel. I mean, these armies that are college football teams for them to be back together. Right. Yeah, no, it, all, all these dominoes have to fall into place for us to get what we want, which is college football. And, and certainly not trying to be selfish about that or flip. I mean, I, you know, look, every, the, the safety of, of, of all these uh, citizens in this country, that's way more important than, than, uh, than any kind of football sporting event. Um, but if we're talking about, you know, what the models show, I, I mean, you know, I think then people look at, at what's going on in Asia and, and Italy and, and looking for signs there. So um, I think at best it's hopeful yeah. that, that July would be uh, maybe a return to some some sense of normalcy. Yeah, can you imagine if people are quarantined, self, self-quarantined? self I mean, you can already feel the anxiety uh, mm-hmm. and then also the eagerness to get back to even being able to just hang out with people, much less go back to work and stuff. And we're only like three or four weeks into this you know, there's at least another month for sure, I would think. But can you just imagine? I mean, it's pretty much, you know, the like Kevin Bacon, you know, trying to keep people all as well, you know, uh, hold them back and stuff. It's in Animal House. It's not, you know, eventually it's going to become a almost like a stampede kind of thing to try to get back to something. And who knows where that's going to lead us. But, uh, you know, soil and green is people. I mean, I keep thinking about that old movie from a long time ago, but you know, there's all these kind of like scenarios you're playing out in your head of of what things will be like two months from now. Will it will things be better or will things be decidedly worse? I mean, it, no one has that crystal ball. But if everybody keeps doing what they're doing right now, I think the the numbers are showing that there is a a little bit of a flattening, so to speak. Flattening is has nothing to do with going down. It just has right. to do with right. flattening. And uh, so. And I'm talking about the curve, as everybody knows. But uh, you're right. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, July looks like is looking like uh, a good time out there uh, to kind of project, and we'll see where it goes. One last thing: <clears throat> what is your go-to snack in quarantine? What uh, quarantine is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. I can't think of another word better than that. What is your go-to snack that's both nutritious and delicious? Peanut butter. <laughs> I love peanut butter. I haven't had peanut butter in the house for a while, but uh, since it's been Lent and I gave up sweets like an idiot, um, I got uh, pretzels filled with peanut butter and peanut butter. So that's my, that's my go-to. Big difference between peanut butter and pretzels filled with peanut butter, as you well know. Mine, <laughs> mine really, <clears throat> mine's mixed nuts. And then I've got this like bar, this, uh, dark chocolate covered nut bar that I found at uh, Costco about six months ago that is incredibly good. 
<laughs> and, and according to the label, it's not that bad for you. Of course, when you eat three in a row, it probably is. Right, right. <laughs> well, let, let's, let me remind you, you are the only person, I mean, baklava, which my mother, you know, I think she makes great baklava. You, I've never seen anybody eat so much at one sitting. I think you had seven pieces that one time. It was uh, But see, I live in what's called a baklava desert. You know, my <laughs> wife doesn't make baklava. Uh, you've got a ghost behind you, by the way, looking over your shoulder. Uh, oh, my goodness. It's Roger Federer. I know. That scared me. That's the first time you'd moved. And I thought maybe David was there saying, hey, wrap it up, damn it. I've got a medical conference to get on. Uh, yeah, Roger Federer, he, yeah, he looks pretty good. Uh, by the way, have you ever seen that uh, show about the Carlisle, the Hotel Carlisle in New York City? I downloaded that uh, documentary about all these uh, all these uh, uh, VIPs, et cetera, that go to this old-time hotel. And he has a suite there every year when he plays in the U.S. Open. You know, they know him. They know the snacks he loves. Speaking of snacks, mm -hmm. it's, it, by the way, I, I would rec highly recommend it. I think you can get it on Netflix or you can get it on, I think, DirecTV. I would downloaded it by DirecTV, but it's a documentary and it's excellent. But I digress. Uh, I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm just going to end this now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, my snack, yeah, like I told you, my snacks. And, yeah, you just got to be, like, everything, everything is moderation right now. But, you know, when you're bouncing off the walls, the great thing is, I'm chasing my little grandson around because he started walking about a month and two months ago. And so he's into everything. And I can't even imagine people trying to work at home and at the same time babysit their one to two year old. <laughs> that must be crazy. You're just using that as an excuse so you can have your grandson. You're like telling your, your son, you don't need the baby around. We'll take him. Yeah. I'll never forget when I got that call. My, dad, my son said, dad, you know, we're having a lot of trouble. You think you and mom could? And I went, yes, like that. <laughs> and Roger Federer agrees with me 100%. Angelique, thank you for coming on with me. And thank you. Uh, I appreciate we're going to do this again. We're going to do this again in the next several months leading into the season because uh, our little podcast we had going into the season, I don't think that was my first one, first official one with LettermanRow.com, but it was extremely well watched because whenever you're talking about the greatest rivalry, question mark in sports uh, uh, you know people are interested or the greatest rivalry uh, uh, parentheses still question mark close parentheses in sports uh, people are interested in knowing both sides of it especially the other side because everybody's always looking for information from across the border but thank you for coming on with me Angelique my pleasure, Tim. I look forward to it. I, you know, wish we had more concrete things to talk about in terms of the rivalry. Yeah. Um, but well, one of these know, days, hopefully. Yeah. Two, two and eighteen pretty well sums it up. I think you know. <laughs> you can't, you can't be more succinct than that, correct? Oh my gosh, no. But you know. Hey, what goes around, what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. We're gonna come up with all the cliches now. But I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've witnessed yes. it. You have too in your lifetime yeah. of covering Ohio State, Michigan. We've seen what goes around comes around. Uh, it's just been this has been a real long uh, uh, circumvention, mm -hmm. or for, for want of another term, by Michigan to make it come around again. Uh, kind of like going around Cape Horn or uh, you know whatever that Cape is down South America instead of going through the Panama Canal. I don't, I don't think they realize there's a Panama Canal, but we'll see. But anyway, until next time, Angelique, thank you very much. 
I'm going to have in Boston, you know him as Austin Ward on here in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth about Ohio State. But, Angelique, thanks for coming on with me. All right. Stay safe, Tim. And, and I hope all your, uh, your readers and, and viewers stay safe also. Thank you very much. And, and, and likewise, ditto. And as promised, we're back with Boston. You know him as Austin Ward, a cohort at LettermanRow.com, one of the founding fathers of LettermanRow.com. And, you know, uh, Boston, you heard some of what Angelique Shingelis uh, had to say. She's been covering Michigan football for a long time. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, this whole 2-18 and 18 drought that Michigan's been enduring in the game, the greatest rivalry, parentheses, question mark, close parentheses in sport. Uh, Basically, she doesn't believe there's as big a talent gap as most people like to believe in, in, in that situation. It has come down to a play or two in many of the games over the last several years. You know, you agree with that. The spot, the uh, Tavis Powell interception on the two-point conversion play, uh, things like that. But uh, I don't know, where do you stand on the argument that there's, there's not a big talent gap between Ohio State, which is among the elite recruiting programs in the country the last many years, and Michigan. Yeah, I think, I mean, those two examples that you cited uh, that have happened since I've been covering this rivalry, you know, I think in 13, when it came down to the two-point conversion in Tyvis Powell, that was, uh, you know, there were clear and obvious deficiencies for Ohio State on defense, and Michigan put together a great game plan to turn that into a shootout when it probably shouldn't have been. I think that's, that, if you look at it, was probably the best coached game um, since 2012 by a Michigan coach, and uh, who was, was that coach again? His name yeah. was Brady Hoke. Is that Brady. right? And I never thought I would give him any credit, but if you're looking at the big picture, that particular game and the game plan that they had, um, you know, at least offensively, was was one of the best, I think, of the series. And every other time, when you talk about 16, that was undoubtedly the most talented Michigan team. That was the closest on the field that you had in terms of personnel. And I thought really, you know, I'm not going out on a limb here, uh, a squandered opportunity by Michigan to really steal one and maybe turn the tide. But if you're looking at 17, 18, 19 since then, uh, it's gone the other way. And Ohio State's town has gone here and Michigan's is here. I don't think there's a question about that. And the easiest way when that was all being discussed and I was, you know, maybe uh, champing at the bit to get in here, you know, if it's not talent, what is it? What's causing the problem for Michigan? I think it is the talent because, um, if you took that game last year, tell me one position unit where Ohio State would trade the players they had for the guys on Michigan's roster. I do not believe that there is one. The only the only place that you could maybe make an argument that there's a, a trade that could have helped out would be if Ohio State could have borrowed uh, a linebacker or two from Michigan, you know, that, that Al Washington and Greg Madison had been working with before. Well, now those guys are with Ohio State. They're recruiting at a high level, and they've they're going to take them, I think, if that was a toss-up before that Ohio State's trending up and then Michigan again is trending down, I, I just – I don't see it anywhere across the board. And, you know, if Michigan has good players, and we've, we've said this before on the podcast, they're beating the teams uh, that they should, but there is a huge, in my opinion, difference between what Ohio State has on their roster and what Michigan has right now. And there's not – that's not even debatable. You know, a walk, you know a walking, talking example of the difference – is a guy named Zach Harrison. Oh, man. Because he was being recruited heavily by Michigan, uh, you know, and we're all, you know, uh, you all saw him, uh, folks watching out there, saw him bloom right in front of your eyes last year as the season went on. 
but here was a five-star, big-time five-star, who maybe was even uh, reticent about going uh, to the to the school down the street, you know, and uh, and Al Washington and Greg Madison were heavily on him, recruiting him for the for the, for for Michigan. And first, Ohio State signs Zach Harrison, and then Ohio State signs the two coaches who were most involved in trying to recruit him from Michigan, Greg Madison and Al Washington Jr. And uh, that's a great example of kind of what we're talking about. And then you look at Michigan last year without Greg Madison, without Al Washington Jr., a little bit of slippage there, uh, in my opinion, uh, on the coaching staff, even though the head coach, Jim Harbaugh, went out of his way several times at the Big Ten meetings to say maybe that was going to be his best staff ever. And, uh, and you kind of go, wow. And the thing I didn't get into with, uh, with Angelique, because we went on and on about a lot of stuff, but really the big difference, uh, the biggest difference in these teams the last low so many years has been at the quarterback position because Ohio State has had playmakers at the quarterback position going all the way back to Craig Krenzel uh, back in 2001. And then moving forward, Craig Krenzel was a clutch player, especially when it came to the game. And uh, I know they got beat in 2003, but, you know, they lost. That was a year of turmoil for Ohio State. Uh, but uh, when you look at Braxton Miller and what he brought along, you look at Troy Smith, you know, the way he beat Michigan, what, three years in a row as a starter. You know, what you saw with J.T. Barrett, uh, what you saw with Terrell Pryor, uh, and, uh, you know, what you saw last year with Justin Fields, for example, those are just examples. The difference has been that's, – that's as stark a difference as you can point to in the series between, between a lacking on Michigan's part. And, you know, when they got Shea Patterson, they thought all their worries were over. It didn't work out to be that way. I think that they've had uh, two issues there. They've had a flawed plan about how they want to attack the quarterback position, and they, they've been in this vicious cycle of constantly searching for uh, transfers to, to patch the void and not letting – you know, Jim Harbaugh is supposed to be this amazing quarterback whisperer, which I think all tim, you know, stems back to Andrew Luck, which how much work did he really have to do with a generational talent? I think some of this is really overblown for his ability to – work with, develop, uh, coach, whatever you, however you want to describe it, to get top-flight quarterback play. It, and that's been missing throughout, you know, this, this series. When you talk about the missed opportunities in 2016 and the guys that they had, they, there was no difference maker at quarterback for Michigan, there has, and that hasn't ever changed in this series. And there have been throws, times where there were opportunities for Michigan to make plays against Ohio State's defense. They couldn't. They didn't have guys capable – of making the passes that they need to. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's an easy solution for them because uh, they were so, they were so gung ho about uh, going out and getting some of these top flight transfers and that Harbaugh would be able to maximize their potential. Well, Ohio state had to do that one time. And yes, Justin Fields is a unique case, but if you want somebody who's actually earned that reputation for quarterback whispering and development, that's Ryan day right now. Yeah. And so if you were talking about an area where, you know, uh, Michigan was trying to make headway, and you, I don't think you can win these, these high-profile elite games without a top-shelf leader, uh, top-shelf talent at quarterback. Uh, you know, it goes back to these conversations you and I have had before when you're going to pick games. For me, I look at the coach, the quarterback, and where the game is played. And, you know, two out of three, Ohio State has those every single year, and every other year they're going to have all three. So I, I just – it's a hard – thing for me to wrap my mind around Michigan getting this fixed right now. 
Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We look at Ryan Day, what he's done since he's been at Ohio State. He, uh, he coached JT Barrett the first year with a backup named Dwayne Haskins Jr. finally. Uh, Dwayne, you know, JT Barrett goes out of the Michigan game. Dwayne Haskins Jr. comes in, saves the day. Uh, and then, uh, you know, what Dwayne Haskins Jr. did the next year, to a really much different offense, maybe a lot of the same plays, but but more plays from column A than column B, <laughs> you know, or column A or column column R or column P. It was column P, which is passing. And then uh, and then last year, getting back to a little bit more of a mix with uh, with uh, Justin Fields, who uh, is a mix between Dwayne Haskins Jr. and JT Barrett, and the way they were to make they were able to make that washing machine just clean like you wouldn't believe uh, on a record fashion. Yes, I mean that's that is definitely. That is definitely an advantage for Ohio State against almost everybody they're playing now. The way Ryan Day has gone about developing the quarterback position at Ohio State, you're exactly right. Hey, real quick, you know we're gonna, we're not going to waste people's time here because right now uh, nothing is going on with Ohio State as far as at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Clearly, they're staying in touch with their players, uh, as you well know. Uh, the the uh, uh, the teleconference last week with. With Gene Smith, pretty much was succinct about things, and Angelique and I talked about that about how how can you open up football until you open up the university, which has been your conjecture all along, because football is a microcosm of the university in terms of meetings held, of congregations held, of uh, of you know a difficulty when it comes to social distancing and having any any kind of like semblance of of norm normalcy until the all clear. Uh, a light goes on. How can you do that? But uh, I'm just, you know, and obviously they're staying in touch by Skype, Zoom, whatever their uh, deal is with their players. They're trying to stay on them from a nutritional standpoint, from a workout standpoint and stuff. But uh, have you picked up on any anecdotes over the last couple of weeks that uh, have piqued your interest in how Ohio State's going about its business? Yeah, I think it's the, one of the most interesting things about that Gene Smith call, uh, I guess, was that yeah Friday? It feels like feel like it was already weeks ago as time drags on here but um he, you know he kind of I thought he was taking a proactive step to this is going to sound silly a proactive step to slow down the, the speculation about what's going to happen to the season because you've seen other coaches around the country other administrators athletic directors you know other people in the media speculating about which you know uh format is going to be used which model for the scheduling you know, what is going to happen with college football. Everybody knows that the one fact that you'll do whatever it takes to have college football be played because it's, it would decimate the rest of the athletic department and do serious damage to universities as a whole if football is not played. But what I found most interesting about what Gene Smith said on Friday was that he, he's not spending a lot of time on the models right now. He's not spending a lot of time worrying about if the season needs to be played in January or, you know, doing much other than getting to – uh, the return of play and what that looks like from there, because um, you have so much, so much of this stuff speculating about it is, is reckless and uh, nobody knows for sure. I, you and I have said that every single week here on, <clears throat> on Mondays and Tuesday mornings that you don't have the, enough information. And now it's been a month and you still don't, you have to get through this to a point where uh, every other business, every other campus, every other state is open for, uh, you know, going out in public and having mass gatherings before you can have football and, and maybe something will change between here and now, you know, he, Gene Smith talked about the opportunity for if they get testing and they can make sure that every, every member of a football team, which, you know, 120 plus when you're counting the walk-ons and the staff, 
that's a lot of tests that you have to do every single week. Um, so I had speculated on this and, and brought it up with you that I didn't think playing games without fans was realistic. And I think that's basically where Gene Smith is as well at this point. So that's, he, he didn't give any predictions or take, you know, takeaways projecting what's going to happen with the model. And I thought that that was really the most important thing to take out of it is that he's one of the most influential voices in, in college football and college athletics. Yeah. yeah. That's just, a, it's obviously he's important in Columbus, but that's just a simple fact for his role in the national landscape yeah, as somebody yeah. who's been on NCAA boards, you know, picked college football playoff teams. He's, he's done it all. And if, when he says something, I think that should have been a wake up call to everybody. We're not there yet. We all want to know right away when is football going to be played. You and I want to know that. The team wants to know that. Ryan Day wants to know that. But we can't. It's there's no point in saying that this is the model he prefers or wants because it's going to be up to the doctors and the experts and and you know state governments and the federal government. They're going to have to make the call for him. He's not really going to have a choice to say I want to play Oregon, but I'm going to cancel the MAC games. If he could adopt your proposal on Sunday that you put up at Letterman Row. I think he would probably be all for that, but none of us can really say definitively that that's going to happen. Yeah. I was just bored. So I wrote something. <laughs> that's just what I did. And that's, you're always welcome to do that. But the thing is, I was trying to you know, show people, you know, this would be the year that big payoff where you get that 18 playoff at the end of the year, like everybody has been wanting. Hey, by the way, I really admire and, uh, and applaud you for using the term champing at the bit instead of chomping at the bit earlier. I see I'm wearing even on you some of my, so my great diction is wearing on you. Uh, great use of the hum- of the English language, the human language, <laughs> the English you're, language. Hey, I keep my I keep my ears open and I try to learn from the best, man. There you go, man. But uh, but yeah, the bottom line is this is so unbelievable because until you until you know the date, as Gene Smith pointed out, everything else is just like uh, words on the wind, right? Right, and that's yeah. and I, look, I I get it. I wish that. We could sit here and I could say, man, I heard that they are targeting June 1 and uh, they think they can get out there and do workouts. They need six weeks or eight weeks and they're just debating over who gets what. Like that's just not not what's happening when they're having these daily conversations. And uh, it's always, you know, I think this is going to be a sobering realization in a lot of ways for not Gene Smith specifically and certainly not for Ryan Day, but, you know, just for instance, out of a hat, Mike Gundy that you don't get to make up the rules. You're not more important than anybody else because you make $5 million to coach football. Yeah. You know, I, I don't mean to just, you know, pick on him in particular, but the, the things that he said are so far removed from what is actually going to happen. College football is not going to get to dictate itself when it gets to return. It is a hugely important business. College campuses need football. Uh, communities like Columbus, Ohio need football. And everyone is going to do whatever they can to bring it back, but they're not going to be able to leapfrog past governors or the president of the United States or medical experts. They don't get to make that call. Uh, If there's no, uh, if there's a limit on mass gatherings and you can't have more than, you know, 50, a hundred people, football is automatically out. It'll be the first one done. You get to watch some, you know, maybe they'll play volleyball in front of no fans. Maybe the college golf season will return. And, and well, as you and I have talked about, football could be the last one to come back because it is the most congregational of yeah. any sport. And yeah. uh, even – We would be. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got 100,000 fans. You've got, like, players running at each other on every play uh, from, 
you know, all points on the globe. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons why, you know, football is a, is the, you know, is more of a, is more of a uh, uh, international or national scope as far as like the, even the players on your roster, where they come from, where they might be holding up during the uh, pandemic. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why football would almost be the last to get the green light. And uh, you're exactly right. Just to play it just because somebody's champing at the bit is not the reason, right? Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head, too. Like, Ohio State in particular has a player in Hawaii and a player in, in Brooklyn, New York. Or, you know, yeah. downtown, you know they're, they're, they're coast to coast. And, and, they're, and then G. Scott's up there in Seattle, which has been one of these hot spots. And you have – so you have all these issues. Are you going to try and bring college football back, but but G. Scott can't get back, can't get a flight? Uh, Gene Smith brought this up on Friday. He's going to have to drive across the country, or would he even be allowed to come back right then? Yeah. Or does he have to quarantine for two? I mean, he under the rules right now, if he could try to come back to Columbus, he would have to go into quarantine for two weeks. Um, so there's no incentive for him to really do that, nothing for him to do at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, as you said. But there are all these other issues that – you know, I, I am guilty of this almost every day because I want college football back. As I've said every week on your show, it's a lot, it's my livelihood and I, and I love it as well. It's, it's all those things to me. It's one of the most important things in my life. But and for all those times that I sit there and thinking about what's it going to look like, am I optimistic today, more optimistic than I was yesterday? You got, I have to sit back and think, well, I also have you know, the wife and the daughter here and you've got your family and you've been, you know, babysitting Owen, like those things are more important. And yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a, a flip in, in my mind. It's a switch that's, that's been turned on that like, yeah, I need football back, but other people have families too. And football is not going to trump all these other things. It just will, it just can't. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, we promised not to talk about this last week and we're talking about it. We're we going to talk about it. You know what? You got You got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. I mean, it's, I it's what it is. And, uh, you know, we'll get little snips and pieces of what Ohio State's doing to combat it and stuff. And, uh, you know, we get to talk to Ryan Day again this week, I do believe. And uh, we'll get some updates from him, et cetera, about how they're going about their business. But, uh, you know, everyone's champing at the bit. I mean, everyone is. And uh, it makes sense. And like I wrote it with Angelique, you think it's bad now. Think about a month from now if we're still in this quarantine, self-quarantine situation. You talk about chomping at the bit. Maybe we'll be chomping at the bit at that point. I mean, it'll be people will be raring to go. I mean, it'll be like the Kentucky Derby, and the the the, the gates have been closed from behind on the on the twenty one entrance, and now you know the charge is coming, but you're keeping them in in the gates. I mean, that's it's really difficult with humans to keep them pinned up. You know, this is just the human uh, the human nature. But uh, we'll see where it goes. But Austin, man. I mean, Boston, I appreciate you coming on with me again. And uh, uh, we'll keep bringing these podcasts to people. And I've got to hopefully have another really good special guest next week. We can kind of put things even more in perspective. And, uh, but, uh, man, I've been watching, listening to a lot of podcasts, been watching a lot of Netflix and uh, DirecTV documentary things, things like that. I've only been to the store a couple of times. I look like, uh, I look like, uh, 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 somebody trying to rob the store and I go walking in. I haven't been afraid to wear a mask since this thing started because why would you mess with this, man? I had some guy walk up to me the other day, like walk, walk up to me, uh, like, hey, Tim. I, and, he, I got, and I pushed him. I go, no, man, get back. He goes, what? I said, six feet, brother. 
six feet. He goes, oh, yeah. You know, meanwhile, he's walking. You know, I'm just going, I'm praying for that guy, you know. Yep. But, uh, but he's a good guy. But they're all Ohio State fans. They all want to know when things are going to get back to normal. And I said, you know, you're going to know when we know. When the green light goes on, everybody's going to know, right? Right. And that's yeah. – patience is the hardest thing, man. There you go. Hey, but until we're – Come back uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tim May on behalf of my good buddy, Boston. You know him as Austin Ward uh, with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.